Welcome to Nerd Sports. Today, we're actually going to talk about bikini bottoms. And then, this is no joke. What it is, is the Norwegian uh, women's beach handball team was not be, uh, not able to play because they're not wearing bikinis. They're wearing those kind of like uh, shorts, like uh, spandex shorts. Yeah. And the... I don't have a problem with it. I don't know why they have to have like bikini bikini uh, bottoms, but they, it's it, it's sport. And I mean, when you're moving around like that, yeah, especially like women because their thighs a little bit bigger, or and they rub a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I mean that that creates friction. So yeah, I mean. You heard of hot thighs. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, from uh, The best that I could figure is, is that, you know, they've got a specific uniform standard as far as, like, the volleyball players are going to be concerned. Now, I'm assuming that we're talking about, like, the beach volleyball players, right? Uh, beach handball team. Oh, like beach handball. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so there's gonna be that. So I don't know. Um, it, it's it, it's a uniform thing. Yeah, it's a uniform standard thing. So of course, I actually seen one of the uh, I guess the uh, uh, jumpers. I guess she was from uh, Brazil. Yeah. And she had like a thong. I was like, huh? I'll be in the sandbox for a while. <laughs> right. But yeah. Um, yeah, the Olympics did start. Uh, gold medals and medals are already being handed out. Japan's already got like seven medals. I'm going to look at that. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's 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 been a lot to do as far as, uh, you know, they're, they're talking about. I mean, I'm still seeing, I'm already seeing TikToks from, from Olympians within the Olympic Village. Actually, it's... Japan has eight medals. United States has seven. China has six. Uh, Britain has three. What's ROC? Uh, the Russian Olympic Confederation. Really? Yeah. They renamed their whole thing? Well, as far as the Olympics are concerned, yeah. So. Why? Uh, I'm looking that up right now. Well, because they, I, they're, they're still, I guess they're still like a confederation of countries, you know, like... Um, Estonia, but places like that, uh, Georgia. You know, it's not specifically just Russia. So I mean, they've got they've got athletes from all of their from all of the satellite companies, or companies satellite countries. Uh, you know, suburbs as you would to uh, Vladimir Putin's uh, Moscow. You mean the war they keeps on bringing up, like in uh, uh, Ukraine? Yeah, something to that effect. Yeah, they're still warring in Ukraine. But Weird. I'm not but they really... Can't use, well, well, it's funny about this is they can't use their flag. Yeah, so, but, I mean, all that aside, you know, I'm not really that big into the Olympics this year, uh, this time around. And it's just because... It was supposed to happen last year. Well, one, it was supposed to happen last year. But, two, it's... I don't know. Uh, the coverage... What what little I did see, and this is just passing, of the uh, opening ceremony. Anytime the 
you know, the Americans or anybody. I mean, just all NBC could ever talk about was Dr. Jill Biden. Like, nobody gives a rat's ass if the first lady, if we want to call her that, um, is attending the Olympics or not. I mean, nobody cares. I mean, it's not it's not there for political grandstanding. It's not there for appearances' sake. It's not there to say, "Hey, I was I was the who is who," you know, kind of deal. It's there to to recognize these these elite athletes that have taken time out of their lives to represent our country. And I mean, we had one of our Team USA baseball players be the flag bearer for the United States this year which I thought was kind of cool because, you know, uh, baseball wasn't part of the Olympics last time when they were in Rio. So. Well, uh, it's all that, that type of stuff has always been going on. Yeah. But can't really, you can't really say yay or nay on uh, that stuff because every once in a while they'll still have a, uh, a president go in and shoot. Uh, or, or that's fine. Representative. Right, but it, but it's a, a sitting member of that of that country's government, you know. It, it, it's not one of these. I mean, I th- honestly think that the reason why they sent the first lady, as opposed to the president, president, um, is because they were probably afraid that he was going to be sniffing people in the stands. No, they'd probably lose. Him. He is an optical liability for the Democrat Party. He, he's a puppet. Yeah, very much so. Wow, the reverb on this stuff is really bad. I I, I gotta redo the. Uh, I I gotta really put up that flag. Yeah. So get some of that. But uh, yeah, because when but when we took down those, I, I think that those center panels really really made a difference. I can hear it right now. Yeah, I can hear it too. But uh, moving on to baseball. <laughs> okay, so for those of you who haven't figured it out yet, I am a Red Sox fan. I am diehard Washington the bloody sock Red Sox fan. Um, the literally the uh, customer service up at Black Rifle no Coffee knows that you're a Red Sox fan. Yes, yeah, yeah. Thank one of the, yeah the uh, one of the one of the representatives of Black Rifle Coffee's customer service department literally knows that I'm a Red Sox fan because he's a White Sox fan, and we get into it. We we poke fun at each other every once in a while whenever I do have to call in, which isn't very often, but still nonetheless. Yeah. Um, Yankees and Red Sox were playing this past weekend. It was a four-game set. It was a uh, it was a Thursday through Sunday game or uh, set, so it was four games. Um, sweeping a team four games in a row is really hard to do during the season, especially hard to do during the uh, during the postseason unless the other team just completely falls flat. But uh, the uh, Sunday's game was. Probably one of the better comeback, you know, victories for the Red Sox uh, all season, and it's probably going to be one of the marquee wins for the entire season. Uh, they were getting no hit uh, by the Yankees uh, by Domingo Germain uh, through seven innings, and then here comes the bottom of the eighth, and Alex Verdugo is, is set to lead off in that inning, and he parks a double, gets in, slides in for a double, he's safe. Breaks up the no-hitter, right? Yankees fans are sitting there, you know, trying to troll Red Sox fans because obviously we're happy about the fact that we're not going to get no-hit by the Yankees. Yeah. And they, you, you see all these tweets on, on Twitter just coming out that didn't age well because they're sitting there just trolling the crap out of Red Sox Nation about the one hit that we got. Well, four hits later, for a total of five hits in that inning, 
the Red Sox not only managed to get on the board, but they managed to take the lead in the eighth inning. And they held that lead and won the game five to four. So the amount of people amongst the, the Yankee faithful, uh, that absolutely lost their shit. Yeah, you were telling me this uh, off air that yeah, there's everybody, there's uh, everybody in their uh, brother that was a Yankees fan just was yeah about um, to riot. <laughs> yeah, uh, let me let me pull him up real quick. There's there's a guy he I follow him on both Instagram and Twitter just because. Yeah, even though he's a Yankees fan, I don't know him personally. We haven't met. We haven't even spoken, but we follow each other. Um, and he's replied to a couple of my tweets. Uh, just, you know, you know, not, not being, like, complete and total, like, sellouts for their team, but, you know, it's just like kind of, you know, hey, that, that, you got to tip your hat to this play or that play um, kind of a thing. So we were just acknowledging each other at that point. But he, uh, he does a live stream usually from his apartment in New York City when he's watching the games. And uh, I think he almost, I think he does it on Twitch. I'm not sure. But uh, he's sitting there watching this eighth inning unfold, uh, the bottom of the eighth. And you could see <laughs> his grip on calmness slip and then ultimately fall apart. I mean, it disintegrated like it was shot with Marvin the Martian's Q8 12 space modulator you know disintegrator gun and he i mean he loses his absolute mind i mean he starts cussing in spanish he starts yelling at the microphone yelling at the camera yelling at the tv um i think i mean i think he yelled loud enough for for aaron boone uh new york's manager to hear him in boston um the yankee tweets got really really quiet after the game was over. And then this morning they all fired up again, calling for Aaron Baron Boone's head on a on a on a pike and talking about how he mismanages the bullpen. He doesn't know how to run a team. He's in over his head. He has absolutely no clue what he's doing. I mean they've called him everything but a white man and a Christian. And the New York media has just absolutely annihilated this team. Um, the New York Post, they're, they're always famous for, uh, you know, when the Yankees are doing well. I mean, they're always, they're always famous for trolling the team that the, the Yankees are playing, especially the Red Sox, right? And, uh, I mean, but when the Yankees are down, oh, my God, you would swear that they would be calling – for Major League Baseball to relocate the Yankees to a city somewhere other than New York, just so that way they didn't have to associate themselves with that city. Really? But, oh God, it's it's horrible. I mean, if and there's 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 kind of a running joke amongst uh, players in in the major leagues where if you get drafted, signed, whatever, if you get traded in to to the Yankees or even to the Mets, you better. You better bring a condom because the New York media is going to absolutely fuck your feelings. And if you can't hack it in the New York media, you know, in the New York market, you know, they don't want you there kind of a deal. And it's it's brutal, man. I mean, I'm reading some of these, like, headlines from not not just this game, not just this past Sunday, not, not yesterday's game, but... Um, 
just just in general. I mean, whenever the, either team is down, it, it's absolutely brutal. Um, uh, like, for example, John, uh, Giancarlo Stanton. I mean, the dude is constantly getting hurt. And the Yankees are on the hook for his salary. I mean, he signed a rather large contract to go play for the Yankees. And he did it through the free agency market. So when he signed for with New York, everybody's expecting him to put up these huge numbers and blast these mammoth home runs and these moonshots that he was, you know, that he was pulling off as a member of the Marlins down in Miami. But when he got to New York, I mean, he had that like little hot streak uh, for a while there, and then just kind of fell off the face of the earth. I mean, he's he's batting less than 250 right now, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and his, his home run production's down, obviously, because he's hurt all the time. Uh, Aaron Judge is on the uh, injured reserves li- uh, injured list. It, it's just, it's, they're not kind. If you're not producing and you're not winning championships, if you're not bringing home the commissioner's trophy for the Yankees, the New York media will be all over you like white on rice. It's, it's, it's funny. And to an extent, the Boston media is kind of the same way with Red Sox players. But not not to the extent that you know the New York Post or the New York Times are, but it's it's funny nonetheless. Just to kind of sit back and watch, and uh, you start seeing like whenever a player starts to struggle in either one of those markets, you start to see like little blurbs on Twitter or Facebook, uh, or you know even with the newspapers that this particular player is letting the pressure of the media get to them. And uh, David Price, when he came to play for Boston for a few years back, you know, he signed as a free agent from, uh, from uh, Detroit. And he was supposed to be part of like a killer rotation. I mean, he was going to sign, seal, and deliver a World Series trophy his first season to Boston and he had all these high hopes and expectations placed on him and the dude absolutely wilted under that glaring spotlight that oh he had the uh, yips yeah he gets I out finally there. figured out that word yeah and he, I was I was watching uh uh Ted Laszlo yeah and, and season they were talking about the yips it's like that's what it is I right. think there's a name for it exactly yeah and so um I feel accomplished now <laughs> <laughs> I started the first episode of Ted, or Ted Laszlo, and I just I fell asleep. So I mean, uh, I know that I'm I'm probably screwing the pooch here, and you know, people that watch the show that are you know they'll swear by it. So uh, it's a cute little show. Yeah, and that's what I've seen. So you know, I'm going to pick it back up uh, probably after the first of the month. I'm just going to kind of dedicate a little bit of time just to kind of maybe watch two, you know, one or two episodes a day, maybe just it, to get caught up. It's but. a cross between. Uh, uh, a drama and a comedy. Yeah. Really. So yeah. So it's so it's 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 basically a serialized rom com yeah. centered around sports. Okay. Um. But you know th- this game. I mean, I was I was listening to the game through my uh, at bat app that I, I pay for every year willingly fork over twenty five bucks every year uh, just just to be able to listen to all the games. Um. And I was keeping tabs on the game throughout the course of the day on Sunday, and I'm just sitting there going, I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be horrible, you know. And I'm, I'm sitting there residing myself to the fact that we might squeak out a hit against them, but I didn't, you know, I didn't anticipate that the, the offense was going to catch fire all of a sudden uh, in the eighth inning. But uh, when they did, well, I tell you what, 
mean, I got excited. <laughs> you know, I'm sitting there getting happy because uh, listening to the the radio call. I mean, just joking, stickling on, just kind of getting after it, man. I mean, and it's 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 games like that where you really, you know, you, you just it's, this is one of those games that even as a fan, not not to mention being a player, but as a fan, you're able to hang your hat on because it's against your rivals. It's against the hated Yankees, you know. And the only other the only other team that I could even remotely equate that kind of excitement to when they start doing that well, you know, they have that sudden outburst would be like the maybe Navy. the Astros. Oh, I was thinking Navy football team. Well, I, I, you know, I keep up with Army football throughout the course <laughs> of the year. So um, Army is already projected to being, you know, being one of the uh, uh, teams represented in the Armed Forces Bowl again this coming January. So you better believe my ass is going to be there. I didn't go to last year's game because, one – you know, it was the whole COVID thing, and, and, and they were freaking out about spacing and, and making pods in the stands, and I'm like, eh. And besides that, Army didn't go to the game. So I'm like, all right, whatever. I don't really care. I mean, yeah, it would have been cool to go to another, like, another bowl game. That's fine. But it's just something special as, a, as an Army vet, or even as a veteran, period, just to be able to go to that game and see one of the service academies represented, you know. Because, I mean, that, that, that game, I mean, it's named for the Armed Forces. So, I mean, it's it's – it's there to represent the military and the veterans that, that graduate from those services. But, um, and, and I'm reading this, this is, I'm giving credit to Ian Brown. Um, I'm reading this from the, uh, the news page uh, on my app, bad app. This is Sox fifth run eight stuns the Yanks quote. We never quit. Um, the, the Red Sox were punchless for seven innings on Sunday afternoon at Fenway Park, but when they punched back, they flattened the Yankees with a furious five-run rally in the bottom of the eighth and route to a thrilling 5-4 victory. That gave them three, uh, three out of four in the latest ri- rivalry series. The epic bottom of the eighth by Boston topped what, the Yankees, or topped what the Yankees did on Saturday when they came back from three down with two outs in the top of the eighth to score and win 4-3. So the Yankees ended up winning on Saturday, but they didn't so much on, on Sunday. Um, Sounds like they screwed the pooch on that one. Yeah, and, I mean, the Sox were down 4 to nothing, and they didn't even even have so much as a, as, as a hit through the first seven innings. Uh, Domingo Germain, who was the, uh, the Yankees uh, pitcher that day, I mean, he, he shut down the offense. I mean, he was doing a great job through seven innings. And then when he comes back out for the eighth, he gives up that hit. But uh, then out of nowhere, it just came this five-hit barrage. It was just, you know, I mean, there was like, I think the, the attendance for that day was like 32,009 people, if I remember the number right. I mean, they, they were just kind of sitting there stunned. You know, just it was quiet in the ballpark. You could hear people murmuring, you know, whatever. But, I mean, when they started getting base hits and started putting runs on the board, I mean, the, the place actually, I mean, absolutely came alive. And the, and the atmosphere just was electric. And you could hear it through the radio speakers from the broadcast. But um, uh, lefty Martin Perez said, we never quit. He, uh, he, kept, his, uh, he kept his team in it because he, he's, he's probably the back end of that starting rotation. Whenever Martin Perez has a start, I kind of shudder a little bit. I'm like, all right, which version of Martin Perez is going to show up? And even though he gave up four, you know, four runs over those, you know, over the course of 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 his stay in the game, it. I mean, he still kept it close because if you let the Yankees get out to a lead, 
they're really notorious for pushing that lead out and just really taking the wind out of everybody's sails. I mean, I'll, I'll begrudgingly give the Yankees credit there in that, you know, in that respect that, you know, when they're on, they're on. And when they, when they, when they come in and they start annihilating people, I mean, that's exactly what they do. They, they, put, their, they put their foot on their floor and they, they don't lift. I mean, they're going through a hairpin turn wide open. You know, I mean, it's it's one of those teams where when they get on a streak, when they get on a roll, it's almost kind of like they have to, I mean, they have to beat themselves in order to come off, you know, to come off of that streak. And this, you know, the 2021 version of the New York Yankees is probably going to be one of those teams where, you know, they're going to falter. And you, you see a lot of these analysts, especially on the MLB network, where they're talking about, um, you know, the Yankees are pretty much out of it at this point. I mean, even if they start making really, you know, really great trades at the trade deadline, they're nine games out of first place right now. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, let me see, let me look at the standings again. Um, yeah, right now, as of right now, they're, they're nine games back of first place. They're eight games out of second place. The Rays have a one-game deficit. Um, yeah, and I'll get to that in just a second. Um, the, uh, you know, the Rays are in second place in the East. Uh, right now, Chicago's got a nine-game lead over Cleveland uh, going into, you Which know, Chicago into today. Team, Chicago Bears or, or the or White Sox. Sh- White yeah, Sox. the White Sox, yeah. No, because in the American League, it's the White Sox, and the National League, it's the Cubs. Okay. So you, you get your, you, you know, you, you know, it's like that meme where it's like you get all these like civilized stick figures talking about whatever subject matter it is. And then they say, well, then here comes this person. Right. And it's like, it's a bunch of punchy people coming in there like, ah, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, it's like with me for, you know, being a 101st airborne vet, it's like you get all the other three, you know, you get the other, the other two brigades talking how, how great the 101st is, and then you get all these special special kids coming in representing the Rockasans. Like, ah, Rockasan, you know, and, and just, yeah, no. We just we'll leave it at that. Um, Houston's got a five-and-a-half game lead over Oakland for the lead in the West for the American League. Um, if Oakland gets hot and they stay – relatively close they've got a chance of taking the division away from houston is it likely is it is it is it probable yeah um is it realistic to think that they could do it probably not because houston houston is as much as i don't like the houston astros uh just because of the way that they run their organization from the top down um and you know my girlfriend's gonna like give me that sideways look when I talk about her spicy jalapeno, Jose Altuve, um, you know, the players to include Altuve. I, I just, I don't, I don't see the, I don't see the Astros giving up that lead, you know, or at least relinquishing the, you know, the first place that they hold right now. Um, but when we start talking about the wild card, uh, you know, the, every year the way that the playoffs are set is that you get your three divisional winners, Right from your three divisions, east, you know, west, central, and the east, right, and then you've got two wild card teams, and they added the second wild card team a few years back to kind of make wins more prevalent to, to give fans more some of these smaller markets hope to make the postseason, and it just really 
I kind of like the I, I like the play or the play-in game. It's it, the wild card game is basically a, a play-in game. So the two teams that hold the wild cards, the two wild card spots, they play one game. It's a one game playoff to move on to the next round. Okay. So right now, Tampa Bay, they they've got a solid hold on that first wild card spot with a four and a half game lead over Oakland. So Oakland as of right now, they're still in the playoffs. If the playoffs were to start today, they would be the two, you know, Tampa Bay and Oakland would be the two teams playing. Uh, and then the winner of that game, they go on to play the number one seed in the American League, and then everything breaks down bracket-wise from there. But um, This is the reason why I don't, sh- I, I don't like, uh, pay attention to most sports because it gets all confusing. Once you – I was like even soccer, you could – well, the way that soccer, like soccer and hockey, I mean, yeah, your record matters, but the number of points that you score, like you get a certain amount of points for, like, say, a win. You get a certain amount of points for the number of goals that you score in that game. And then, I mean, the, the, the points, the way that they award points in, like, hockey and soccer, it's kind of... Even a tie. Yeah, I mean, they have draws in that league, in, in those leagues, um, but they still count towards the number of points that your team accrues over the course of the season, and that, and that dictates how you get seeded in the playoffs, right? So I just think most of those people that actually figure that stuff out could be rocket sciences. Same with baseball. Yeah, they, they could. They could. You're absolutely right, yeah. Um, I mean, the, the baseball is even, even worse because it's like you start getting into the sabermetrics that, that they start using. I mean, when we, I mean, then they break everything down. Like everything now in baseball almost has its own statistical department. I mean, we're even talking about spin rates among pitchers. And it's like – and and people start freaking out if a pitcher has a drop off of like 200 rpm like rich hill he was just traded from uh from tampa bay to i think it was uh i think it was cincinnati i i I forget who he was traded to uh, and i'll have to look that up here in a minute yeah it's probably on that who who was it again uh rich hill rich hill r-i-c-h-h-i-l-l but um they were looking at his. They were looking at his spin rates for his breaking ball, his off-speed pitch, right, his changeup, and it and it dropped 200 RPMs. So, I mean, they, they were looking at that like, oh, he's on the downside of his career. And it's like, no. If he if he doesn't throw his changeup as hard, and he's got that much less RPM on it, you know what that equates to? That much more of a drop. I mean, like a physical drop. So when that ball comes into the hitter. It's going to drop that much more. It's going to maybe drop another half an inch to an inch. He goes to the uh, New York Mets. Yeah. Okay. So that's right. So he went. To, he was traded to the Mets. But um, but as it as it stands right now, today, as of today, if the playoffs were to start today, the Yankees would be out of the playoffs because they are three and a half games behind Seattle. Well, I mean, they're three and a half games behind Oakland for that second playoff playoff spot. Um, and they're two and a half games back from Seattle now because you've got that cutoff line, right, where it's, it's, it's Tampa Bay and Oakland, and you've got that cutoff line. The next team that's, a, you know, that's eligible to make up, to move into that spot, is going to be Seattle. Now, the, 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 gift, the, the gift horse in the mouth, so to speak, would be you know, for, for Oakland and Seattle is the fact that they're in the same division, so they're going to play each other a lot between now and the end of the season. So it's very feasible that Oakland could just by just by head-to-head matchups alone, they could end up with a 
you know, they, they could end up passing Oakland for that second playoff spot or that second wild card spot. Has, has the A's actually uh, uh, worked, uh, worked as a good team this year? Uh, the A's were very, very streaky this year so far. Um, I mean, they're, they've got a solid – I mean, they, they've got the workings of a solid core of, of guys. Um, you know, I mean, you got your you got your mix of, of, vet, of rookies to, to veterans. Uh, a lot of guys that have got playoff experience, uh, like uh, Elvis Andrews, he used to play shortstop for the, for the Texas Rangers. He's playing shortstop for the A's. Uh, Mitch Moreland is uh, he used to play first base for not only the Rangers but he used to play first base for the uh, Red Sox when the Red Sox won everything in 2018. Um, so they've both got World Series experience. They've got playoff experience. They're both veterans, and um, you know it, they, so they've been around. They know how this is supposed to work, and they they understand what it means to be a leader not only on the field but in the clubhouse. Uh, so I, I think that the A's are going to be. I mean, they, they've got the potential to become a very dangerous team uh, for the next couple of years. Uh, but the thing with Oakland is that, and, and if I remember right, I think Billy Bean, uh, the guy that, that was portrayed in that movie Moneyball with Brad Pitt, he's still the general manager of, of the A's. And That's the only reason why I knew it was the Oakland A's. <laughs> right. Because I keep on watching, like, uh, the short clips for, on YouTube. Yeah, I mean, if you, haven't, if you haven't sat down to watch that movie, take the time to do it. And just kind of, like, take notes, soak it up. And Billy Bean, he's a very, I don't want to say volatile guy. He's a very straightforward, no-nonsense producer, you're out of here kind of a guy, right? Um and he, he kind of fostered that, that money ball mentality. Um, and he pieced together a team of nobodies in 2003 with Oakland. And they made the playoffs. And they actually went on a winning streak. They won 20 games in a row, which is damn near unheard of. I mean, the only, I think they matched the, uh, the Philadelphia Athletics uh, with as being the only two teams – to have a twenty, you know, a twenty-plus game winning streak, and they I thought they, it was more than that. Mm-mm. No, it was just twenty games. It was just twenty, uh, twenty or twenty-one games. I think it was like twenty games, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, look it up, uh, baseballreference.com. Uh, look up uh, the 2003 season, and you should be able to find it there. But um, you know, with you know, and, and then something else. I'm not. I can't remember if we addressed this or not last week on our episode, but. Uh, the Cleveland Indians are going to change their name next year. Yeah, I heard about that. You know, they're going to be, was, they're going 20, to become the Cleveland. Yeah, so they're going to become the Cleveland Guardians, and and it's it's more of this woke culture bowing down to you know oh this is going to be offensive. It's like they've been the Indians since their inception. Well, it's the E. It's called the ESG uh, uh, analytics. It's basically for the stock market. Basically, what they're doing is, is the higher rating you get, the more, uh, the more of the uh, woke culture will buy the stocks because they're. And see, I'm not, I'm not willing to buy that. I mean, I think that that is a straw man argument that the front office and Major League Baseball both threw out at everybody, hoping that it sticks like some kind of like newborn baby turd or something. Well, it's one of those things that you just throw it out there and you're like, uh, you're buying it. No. 
not buying it. We got to come up with something more. Yeah, it, to me. All right. So they've been arguing this point for years. I mean, it's going all the way back to when the NCAA started making all these major universities change their mascots uh, from Native American references to something else, because it was disparaging and derogatory towards the Native American culture. It's like. No, one, it's not because a lot of these, you know, a lot of these organizations, to include these universities, when they named their mascots or when they named their teams this particular name, they they conferred with a lot of Native American people in that area. Yeah, like when Washington changed their uh, name to the Washington. Yeah, there was a group of Native State. American. There was a there was a group of Native American Indians that were like, uh, we don't care. Not even that. They were upset because they... Yeah, I mean, they, 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 that was something that they got behind. Yeah. And and, and now it's like, you know, it, it, we get this, we're, we're trying to gloss everything over, trying to be as le least offensive as possible. And you know my take on that. Let's make America offensive again, you know. So it's, it's, it's something that, unfortunately, it's just going to be something that we're going to continue to see. And, um, you know, the, the day that, like, the Atlanta Braves changed their name, Oh, you're going to see that city tear itself apart. Yeah. You know, and and it, and it's it, to me these are established clubs. These are established organizations. And I mean it, it's you got all of these all of these fans that that for generations have been rooting for the Braves, the Redskins, they've been rooting for the Indians. It's they even have the tomahawk uh it, uh, the tomahawk yeah, the tomahawk chop. Yeah, I, I think that actually originated in Cleveland. Yeah. Um, uh, and then Florida State University, they picked it up uh, because they're the Seminoles. It, they're not changing their names because the Seminole Nation was like, no, we want this. And so NCAA gave them an exemption on it. But, uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's one of those things that, you know, we're trying to re – it's almost like they're trying to rewrite the culture in Major League Sports. And it's not just baseball, okay? So, like, for example, you know, one, one of the things that you look forward to when you go to play in Atlanta, whether you're there as a member of the team or you're there as a visitor, is being able to step out or you're on the field, whatever, you get into the batter's box and you hear that tomahawk chant, you know, and you, you hear the drum beat over the loudspeakers because, I mean, it's just getting the crowd whipped up into this foamy frenzy. And, and it, it really just... It, it's a morale booster for for the fans. The fans get louder. The players they start focusing a little bit harder, and you know it, it's it's just it's been a part of that culture for years, and it's got nothing, absolutely nothing to do with racial, divi you know, uh, division or division. And, and if anything else, these 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 uh, appeasers, these placators that are that are renaming their organizations in the hopes of being least you know less offensive i mean to me that's more racially divisive you know divisive than than keeping the the, the moniker that was in place yeah well on the other news is trevor barrer and they also have the uh uh trade rumors for this uh season what is the half of the season there are a lot of the trade players and everything uh there's like there's, a, there's a trade deadline it's um if I remember correctly, it is, is this in, Friday. Yeah, it's this Friday. Um, so 
And the reason why they're they, trading they put, off yeah, they put this trade deadline. They, yeah, they put. And I'll let you finish in a second. I'm sorry. Okay. So the reason why they put this trade deadline so close to the end of the season is because you got all these teams that are contending, and they they have a chance to you know they field their teams at the beginning of the year, coming out of spring training, and they you know they they sign a couple of free agents or whatever. If somebody gets released from their contract, and then some of these other teams are like, oh hey, we can swoop in and pick him up at a premium deal. They'll do that. They'll add maybe a piece or two throughout the course of the first half of the season. But you get these contenders that start to realize, hey, we've got holes or deficiencies in our lineup, and we need this piece or that piece in order to make us completely click pushing into the playoffs. It, it, it allows those teams to better themselves to make, the, you know, to make, make their playoff runs that much more competitive, that much more legitimate. And then it allows the teams that are receiving these, you know, other pieces from them, or you know, you know, moving players around. So, so for these teams that are out of contention, it allows them to build for something going into the next season. Because I mean, it, for the teams that are out of it already, you know, we're, we're talking about, uh, you know, we're talking about teams like, uh, like the Washington Nationals, or we're talking about the Chicago Cubs. Right now, the Chicago Cubs. They are absolute sellers right now. They are tearing their team completely apart, and they're, they're trading off these huge pieces that have been a part of their team since before they won the World Series back in 2016. So, I mean, and, you know, people like Pittsburgh. I mean, as soon as Pittsburgh showed up to play baseball this season, I mean, the joke is, is that they were already out of playoff contention. You know, teams like the Arizona Diamondbacks or the Colorado Rockies. Uh, the Colorado Rockies traded off a couple of their core guys. Um, I think the only guy that they have left right now is Trevor Story and they're wanting a lot for him um, so they, he, may, he may end up staying in Colorado at least until his, his until his contract expires or he can get to that, that, that clause in his contract where he can say hey I want to be released or he can ask for a release and he can step into the free agency market and see where, where, the, where the trade winds take him but but with Trevor Bauer um, yeah. Trevor, ba Trevor Bauer yeah, pitcher for, Bauer, the, for, uh, pitcher the for the Dodgers. Uh, the reason why they're tra trading him is, or not even letting him play anymore, uh, it, it might it might come to that. They had they don't have anything. He's on a suspension right now, but they haven't gotten anything through that. It's because of the uh, collective bargain uh, bargain domestic violence, sexual assault, and child abuse policies. Yeah, and, and that's you know, and I'm glad that they put that in place. Um, you know, because you get a lot of these guys. And I say a lot of these guys, and that sounds like I'm painting the players union with this broad paintbrush. 99.999% of the players who play Major League Baseball that are a part of that players union, they are stand-up law-abiding guys. Okay, yeah, everybody's got skeletons in their closet, everything. Everybody's got stuff that they, you know, that they don't talk about publicly because they've got their private lives. I respect that, absolutely. Um, the reason why Trevor Bauer did not... Uh, appeal the decision to be suspended was because he is putting his faith in the system to show that hey look I didn't do this but I'm going to let I'm going I'm going to let the I'm going to let the system do its job and I'm going to be ultimately vindicated the guy is an amazing pitcher he's incredibly smart his baseball IQ is almost off the charts okay uh, he he's he's got He's a he's a he's a fire plug, man. I mean, as far as like personality is concerned, fans absolutely love this guy. Okay, I mean, he he gets behind. You know, like uh, when Joe Kelly uh, a couple years ago, I think it was last season. Um, 
he he got suspended by by Major League Baseball because when he walked off the mound uh, after you know during a game uh, versus the Astros, Joe Kelly sat there and stuck his lower lip out like you know oh pout for me kind of a thing. He's like mm, you know because he struck out uh, I think it was George Springer at the time. Okay. And you know the, the Dodgers and the uh, the Astros they've got you know they've got that contention between the two of them because uh, they played each other in that World Series uh, the, the the 2019 series uh, World Series was it 2019 2017 when uh, the Astros beat the Dodgers in the World Series right. And this is with, you know, the whole sign-stealing scandal where, you know, the trash cans in the, in the dugout and, you know, uh, El Tuve supposedly wearing that buzzer underneath his jersey, you know, the whole nine yards, right? So, I mean, it, it's basically the reason why a lot of fans view the 2017 World Series championship as having an asterisk next to it because the Astros basically stole the World Series. They cheated to do it. And that's why you saw uh, A.J. Hinch, who was the manager of the Astros at the time, and then Alex Cora, they were the uh, manager and the bench coach, respectively. They they both took a one-year suspension from Major League Baseball. They were away from the game for an entire year because of their role in that. But nobody, Major League Baseball didn't even so much as slap the wrist of the players that were involved with it. And, and this was a player-centralized, player-run scandal. They came up with the with the scheme and everything like that, and the managers – the coaching staff, the, even the front office, they turned their they turned a blind blind eye to it because all they I mean all they cared about was the win loss record. They didn't care how the how the wins came. Um, but uh, you know in, in, anyway, so it's 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 uh, the getting back to Trevor Bauer. He's he's letting the system do its thing, and yeah, he may end up you know he, he's going to miss the rest of the season more than likely and they're not then this is going to get pushed off until during the off season and it's going to be a big headline it's going to be probably one of the bigger stories coming out of the winter you know or going carrying us through the winter and all the way through the winter meetings the winter meetings is as it's like another free agency orgy for lack of a better term you know, i mean they, they they designate one city to host it like they do with the nfl draft right so these winter meet. I think last year it was in, it was uh, it, it was in Nashville, okay. So um, when uh, you know when the winter meetings take place, every general manager from all thirty clubs they they converge on that city and that and they make face to face deals. Your guys getting signed free agency deals. Uh, Is it like the Super Bowl where they're actually? Uh High in on the uh, sex traffic too. No, no, no. Because I mean, they're there absolutely to do nothing more than just conduct business. I mean, there's a lot of players that are up for free agency. There's got a lot of guys that are there at the end of their contracts. They're there to put the ink on that paper. It, you know, if they if they strike a deal, I mean, that player is there to sign the contract, and then they get announced during the during the winter meetings. So. Um, I look forward to the winter meetings just simply due to the fact that that's the biggest shindig for baseball during the off season, and that kind of holds me over, so to speak, until uh, spring training starts again in, in February. But it's like if you find your uh, heroin dealer that's been like <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, took, it's a, took a trip. It's for a, a it's while. a it's a dirty hit 
but damn it, it's a fix, you know. Um, <laughs> I mean, he cuts it with baking soda and all this other crap, and he just dilutes it. But you know what? You you get that small buzz, you know. You don't you don't get the same same effect that you do during the season. But I mean, it's still baseball news. It's relevant because you know, hey, I mean, and that's during the off season you hear that term "hot stove" being tossed around like crazy, and it's just because. You get all these general managers and front offices for these different clubs meeting in this one city, and 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 they're cooking up deals left and right. So I mean, the players are moving, and and sometimes you'll find what they call is a blockbuster trade, where you get a lot of you know like two or three teams that are involved. Like this team will send two players here, so that this team will move this player here, so that way that team will move it to another team. You know, and it, it and it, and if, if if you're not if you're not paying attention to it, it's really, really easy to get, kind of get lost in in just the sea of moving parts. And it's it's like how I get lost in your eyes sometimes. Yes, but that's because empirically, I'm a more attractive man than you are. Yeah, but um, and football news. <laughs> football news. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron. Aaron Rodgers. Aaron, not Aaron Rodgers. Good God, know. the guy is not German. He's not blue-eyed. He's not. I don't know if he's blue-eyed or not. I haven't spent that much time looking at the guy. He's definitely not blonde. Anyways, Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. <laughs> Packers near agreement for return that could pave the way for the departure of 2022. Basically, what I was reading on this is uh, the deal for the 2023 season will be avoided uh, 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 by then. And he would basically... Uh, retire i guess or whatever he wants to do well yeah um i know that that rogers i mean he's reworking his contract basically so um he really wants to be on jeopardy he does but uh i think if, if he gets any time behind the podium the host's podium at jeopardy he's gonna have to share that with lavar burton hands down but he's already been on uh yeah he's already hosted it a couple yeah. times and that's you know i mean they were just filling in they, they had all these guest hosts coming in after Alex Trebek left us. But, uh, you know, the biggest which, part of it what's is... What's really sad about that is you still have episodes of Jeopardy because they filmed so many of them. Yeah. That they still have... They just did that for when Alex Trebek died. Yeah. But they still had episodes. Yeah, I know that they were filming guest host episodes while he was doing his chemo. But Alex Trebek, he, he missed very few episodes, or very, very few filmings uh, of the show while he was going through the chemo and nobody knew he had chemo until it, it became terminal. And then he just said, Hey, look, I've got cancer yeah. and it's, it's stage four, it's terminal. I, you know, I'm not going to survive that's, this. That's one of the uh, people in Hollywood. You never really heard anything bad from now, always good things, which very, very few from like uh, a lot of the people that we met this weekend. Yeah. Um, we, we met a, a Emmy winner for animation and, his story, which uh, was on, uh, I, I went over on on that Sunday to do the interview. Um, yeah, it was I, only I, seven minutes, and he had a really sad story. Yeah, and you know, I spoke with him briefly when he was at his booth uh, on Saturday, because um, I had told him I said, you know, uh, the the reboot that Hulu did for Animaniacs was just not that good. I mean, it was there for nostalgia value, but past that, it was just absolute garbage. Um, I mean, it, it had a lot of woke messaging. It had a lot of that political leaning, and it was to the left. And it just, it, it, 
it's just Steven Spielberg shoving that message down your throat through Animaniacs and hoping that the 90s crowd that grew up on the show swallowed it, you know, and it's like, yeah. and he, and he said he ref, he's refused to watch it. And he even said something to the effect of Steven Spielberg and Warner Brothers banned all the original artists from the show, from, from the second season, from that new, from that reboot, because one, it was cheaper to go with newer artists and two, a lot of them were conservative. And if they were, if they identified as conservative, you absolutely were not going to get a shot at at, at drawing the new show. What's really sad is he had, he had has twenty five years of experience. He mm-hmm. probably did uh, Captain Caveman. Yeah, probably. I mean, he he has a laundry list of uh, stuff that he did, which, man, he was. We, we can talk about it all. Yeah, I, it's one of those things. Is I just I don't want to talk about all the uh, we 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 did the interview and everything like that. It was only seven minutes. It was very short because of uh, he was a busy busy man. Yeah, just so that way you know, so our listeners know and our viewers know. Hey, look, if if you want to find out more information about that, look up our what the hell episode about the comic convention this this weekend that was held in Wichita Falls. Take the time to watch it, um, because I know that for me, dude, it was a blast on that Saturday just to sit there and interview all the people that we did see. Um, I had my two boys with me, uh, and it was a blast just kind of watching them soak up all of that culture because it was it was the first comic convention for both of them, and it was just it was fun. I mean, fun for me just to kind of see the people you know dressing up in cosplay. Um, we, uh, and we had. Uh Venom Captain America, I think it is, his his thing is. I have to look at it because he he uh, he posted on there uh, while he's doing an interview. His dad. That was an. We'll get on that. Yeah, one. yeah, that we'll was, get on that, that one later. That's but what I wanted to the, do on. But uh, the deal with but, but, but the deal with Aaron Rodgers is that you know I mean I get where he was coming from to the extent of him being able to voice his displeasure with the way that the front office was handling things, um, but. What I disagreed with as far as Aaron Rodgers' approach to the entire thing was the fact that he aired out so much dirty laundry for the organization. Yeah, he was just making it, uh, basically making a temper tantrum. Yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was a full-on temper tantrum. And, you know, yeah, he's going to be, eventually he's going he's gonna to be enshrining in Canton for the you know, Football Hall of Fame. I get it. The guy's got... I mean, he's, he's got a stellar record. Yeah, I mean, his career speaks for itself. Um, I mean, he he but, does have a Super Bowl ring. Yeah, I mean, he he's he, he won a Super Bowl. Uh, I think he was the MVP that year. Yeah. But you know, it, it just the way that he went about it. You know, I mean, he could have done it a little bit, you know, quieter. Um, as far as like the media was concerned. He could have said, I have my displeasure, I have my, my, my grievances with the organization, but I'm not going to air out that dirty laundry. And I tell you what, I, I will almost guarantee you that if he had taken that approach, he would have had a lot more pull, and he would have had a lot more footing to make a push for the type of contract that he wanted. Will he like the contract that he gets now? He probably won't be 100% satisfied with it, but it'll be the best deal that he's going to get. Because if he tries to go to any other team, he's not going to get that contract because the salary cap, because of um, you know, just 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 uh, I mean, just the fact that 
you've got all these all these quarterbacks that that got drafted over even just the last two or three years that are producing and they're giving the fan bases for that team and from the front office of those organizations hope to think that they're going to be able to qualify for the playoffs and then make the you know make semi respectable deep playoff runs and and these teams are starting to build so you're going to start seeing a whole lot more parity in the NFL but the way that he handled it you know the the just the whole thing i mean personally i don't i don't think i've got a problem with the with who Aaron Rodgers is, I definitely don't have a problem with the career that he's built. Well, his, but he's not going to be uh, out of cash. I mean, he gets paid oh, no. like thirty three point five. His sponsorship deals year. alone will keep him solvent for a couple yeah, of years. So. But the fact that again he aired out that dirty laundry, and that and that, that's that's one of those unwritten rules that you, that's just something you don't do. And I think that he not necessarily forgot it. I think he just chose to ignore that rule. And I think he went that I think he went that route maybe at the behest of his agent. And if that is the case, well then shame on both of them because the agent should have known A better and B, Aaron Rodgers damn sure should have known better. He shouldn't have aired out the dirty laundry. He shouldn't have been throwing people into the bus. He could have handled that in a very uh, ambiguous way by just saying, "Hey, look, I've got my my grievances with the front office." And the way that things are being handled on, you know, with certain certain aspects of of, of the game, or or team management at least, but he he chose to go the other route and just air air out dirty laundry. He chose to throw people under the bus and you know basically called for the the firing of the general manager. Now whether or not that's going to happen, I don't know. Um, it just all depends on you know how those negotiations break down. But I, I really do. You know, I, I, I'm i kind of excited to see how the NFL season is going to break out, you know, how it's going to pan out over the course of next season. So, I mean, I'll spend a little bit more time watching football next year. Um, and it's not because I won't have anything else to watch. It's just because just watching these storylines develop over the course of uh, of last season, this, you know, in, the, in this current off season, I'm interested to see, you know, how it shakes out. And, uh, I mean, I've got little to no use for Roger Goodell. I've got little to no use for the NFL as a whole, um, especially with their COVID protocols that they're, that they're, that they're uh, putting into place with uh, finding play, unvaccinated players up to $14,000. You know, and if, if, if you're unvaccinated, you can still play. But if you test positive, then they're going to make you Go without pay for that week. Go without pay for the time that you're out. And then they're potentially, t- I mean, I, I, I didn't read too much into it, but, I mean, there was even, like, rumblings about hurting the team that you play for's playoff chances, like penalizing the team. And and it's just this whole vaxxers versus anti-vaxxers battle that's starting to wage amongst all of the organized sports. Because uh, you even saw it with... Uh, couple of weeks ago with uh, when the Red Sox went to Yankee Stadium to play they actually postponed an entire game because three players on the Yankees roster tested positive for COVID and so now everybody's talking about well there's still players that are unvaccinated and they're on both sides of the field and you get all these people that are like oh you should go get vaccinated it's like you know what 
it's it's the last time I checked. I don't I know this is a tired argument, but the last time I checked, I mean, this is still America. So I mean, we still have the right to choose, and we're still responsible for our well-being. We're still responsible for A, B, and C. But it's like now that you're making this mandatory, you're making it mandatory for a vaccine that hasn't been tested. There's even articles now where uh, I forget which one it is. I think it's like um, it's not Pfizer or I think know, it's Johnson and Johnson. No, not the Johnson Johnson one. It's uh, there's there's a there was another pharmaceutical company that came out. Uh, M. It's just the M. No, not Moderna. Um, <sighs> crap. It, it was Pfizer. Moderna no, uh, let me look Johnson here. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, let me see here. It's on the Drudge Report. Uh, the Synvac COVID vaccine fades after six months. And now they're talking about booster shots. And it's like... Well, they were talking about the booster shots because oh, yeah. of the uh, uh, variant. Well, the Delta variant. Yeah, it's like, yeah. No, yeah, they're yeah. variants. Yeah, variants. So now it's it's kind of like... It's, it's kind of like a really badly written episode of Loki. You know, where we've got all these variants running around the, the sacred timeline, and it's, oh, we have to prune them. It's like, oh, come on. Yeah. You know how many variants of the cold there are? How many variants of the flu that there are? There's dozens. Exactly. And it's like you don't see everybody flipping out. It's like, oh, well, we're going to make you go get your COVID vaccine, but you still have the choice to go get a flu shot or not. You know, and it's like if you're going to be totalitarian about one thing, be that way about everything. At least be consistent. So that if that point at that point, that's one less argument that that your detractors have to make. You know, it's like yeah, I got vaccinated, but that was because it was put it. You know, the way that I was approached by it about it from the VA was that I needed to do it in order to get my appointments through the VA uh, healthcare system. And yeah, the Johnson and Johnson shot jacked me up. I got to go do a pulmonary functions test next month. Because I haven't been able to breathe right Whoa. since I got the Johnson & Johnson shot. Wow. You know? Um, I mean, I got my shot, dude. Like, that night, dude, I spiked out at like 102 or 103 fever. I mean, it, it, it absolutely kicked my tail. You know? And if I had the choice to say, look, I'm not getting it, I would have absolutely said, no, I'm not getting it. Because you want me to get that shot, show me that it actually works. Show me that it's not going to put me at a risk of dying before I put that into my body because it's untested. All of the pharmacy companies have signed a waiver of, uh, of liability. So if you die from it, your family can't come back and sue them for a wrongful death. I mean, we're basically the test bed for, I mean, we were one big mass of human testing without, without the preliminary trials. I mean, none of the, none of the COVID vaccines are FDA-backed at all. I mean, because the, the FDA is like, look, you skipped over all these steps. But I digress because, it, again, we're running into that, that time frame where we need to leave. Well, it? it's not necessarily the time constraints, but it's, it's we're running into that, that, that fine line between sports and politics. And we've both discussed at nauseum about how we absolutely hate the fact that sports have gotten political. Yeah. yeah but uh, NBA on. news, um, we need to address this. But in, oh, yeah, in the, the NBA, Bucks. yeah, the Milwaukee Bucks won their second overall NBA championship, defeating the, the Phoenix Suns in six games. But, uh, you know, it, uh, you know, good for Milwaukee because, you know. It, this is their seventh win since the 70s. 
Well, I mean, as far as like playoffs are concerned, playoff series, maybe, yeah. But no, overall, it's only the it's it's the 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 franchise's only second title. Yeah, because they own, the only other one they have is back in the seventies. Oh yeah, well you said seventh wins. No, in the 70s. no seventies. Seventies. Okay. okay, there we go. There See, we go. I don't know if it's your dyslexia or my inability to listen correctly, but uh, it's yours. I'll blame. Yeah, I'll take that one. Yeah, I'm. I'll be your Huckleberry, um, but uh, yeah, and I know that I jack the lineup. Whatever, I don't care. Um, well, it, everybody knows what the actual thing is. Yeah, but it, I mean, it's Val Kilmer. They're yeah. like, yeah, it sounds good. Yeah, enough. close enough. Yeah, I mean, I mean, even the memes are getting it wrong. The gifts are getting it wrong too. So yeah. was, I mean, is but there we've got consistency. So. We were back on that. But, yeah. um, you know, congratulations to Milwaukee, though. I mean, I, I had picked Phoenix to win it all. Um, now we're talking about, I mean, uh, Chris Paul, CP3 is his nickname. He plays for Phoenix. I mean, there's there's a, a thing out there now that he's cursed. So it's like every team that he's been on has failed to win the championship. So um do i buy the fact that he's cursed absolutely not will he still get into the basketball hall of fame yes you can better believe he will just based on his numbers alone um i mean there's a lot of great players that are in every hall of fame that never won a championship um did larry bird ever win a championship oh, larry bird was part of that green machine back in the uh, 70s and uh, 80s where boston just kind of went off and they just won a ton of nba championships oh okay yeah so um 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 but it you know it it, it I mean you, you look at all look at at all of the major organized sports I mean you're going to have these greats I mean these absolute greats legends in their you know, respective sports that never won a championship. They never got to lift that trophy. You know, they may have other accolades like rookie of the year, or they may have like so many scoring titles or. Nope. The Boston Celtics only won one playoff game. And that was last year. No, no. Look, okay. Look. All right. So I, I must be looking at it. how right many, because I think it's like 17 here. Uh, let's see here. Championships. As the Celtics won. Okay, so um, they have yeah, exactly. They since their start in nineteen thirteen, they have the, been the most successful of teams, winning seventeen NBA oh, championships, okay. including eight championships in a row at one point. The Celtics' seventeen championships is more than any other team. Now, as far as like. Number of championships, the Celtics are only second to the New York Yankees as far as overall championships amongst organized sports. Hmm. Okay. Um, uh, they, the last one that they won was in 2013, I think it was. Um, uh, it may, I can't remember. Because um, they had the big three. They had Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and Ray Allen. Um, 2007, 2008. Yeah, 2007, 2008. Yeah, they won everything there. But um, there, there used to be a huge rivalry between the Celtics and, and, and the Lakers. And, and it's because those teams just kind of perennially per, perennially met in the in the finals. It just seemed like they were constantly butting heads in the playoffs. And, um, I mean, you had the – I mean, you had absolute studs 
playing that game. I mean, you had Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you had um, uh, you had Larry Bird. I mean, it just, I mean, just absolute legends. Will Chamberlain played for the Lakers. I mean, you had a ton of people playing for both teams, and they were always meeting in the finals. It seemed like, and they and it was always a drag out, knock down bar fight. I mean, that was like if you if you were to try to put LeBron on any of those teams, he wouldn't have made it. I mean, he, LeBron has to get carried off the court because he got a cramp because it was too hot in the stadium. These dudes are actually putting fists on each other. I mean, they, I mean, it was a two-for-one sale. It's like, you're going to catch this hand, and this one's for free. you know. And, and it's one of those, I mean, it, when you were talking about the age of the fl- flagrant foul, I mean, you, you look at the 70s and 80s whenever, you know, Basketball players were basketball players. You get guys that are more technical now, and and they've got more range and things like that. Ever since they expanded the, you know, they increased the distance of the three point arc. But and, you know, obviously the speed of the game is a lot a lot faster now. But as far as constitution and just overall toughness of the league and the player per capita, look at the seventies and eighties, man. I mean, you had guys like Bill Lambeer constantly getting ejected from games because he was throwing hands dude and i mean it was it was fun to watch back then and it's it's fun to watch those clips because these dudes are just manhandling the crap out of each other but they're still getting the ball to the hole they're sharing they're sharing the spotlight i mean they're i mean the assists rebounds i mean it was just a it was a beautiful thing to watch back then and it was one of the reasons why the why the nba was so successful during that era because because it's just the artistic poetry that was taking place on the court. Nowadays, not so much. Not so much because you've got these individuals out there with these great shoe deals and, and other sponsorship deals that are out there trying to pad their stats. They don't give a shit about their team. Yeah, they want to win championships, but they're not. They're not no, playing back, as a team. Back then, they had the deals and. They were uh, they won those deals. Yeah, by but being a really good player, they they weren't getting these multi million dollar contracts coming out of the draft, you know, coming out of college or in two you know specific cases out of high school, i.e., Kobe Bryant, who earned his pay, earned his spot in in in, in the Hall of Fame, um, and LeBron. They both came out of high school. Neither one of them had the had the luxury of kind of so to speak cutting their teeth playing collegiately. But it, you know, it was one of those, um, um, you know, I mean, these guys, they got the, yeah, they had their sponsorship deals, but they weren't lucrative sponsorship deals. They weren't, they didn't have these lucrative multi-million dollar contracts. These guys had to earn their money because the sponsors were like, okay, if you're not going to put, if, if your numbers don't look like this year in and year out, we're going to pull the trigger. We're going to, we're going to pull the plug on your contract. And you're going to lose that income, and you know it. It it really it was a humble. I, you know, I don't want to say it's humbling because these guys kind of grew up in that era where you knew you had to earn everything that you were, you know, that you got because nothing was given to you. Whereas now you get these guys that are just like you know they 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 have a great senior season playing in the in in the college ranks. And then all of a sudden they get handed these multi-million dollar contracts and now they're out there driving Bentleys and Aston Martins or, you know, Lamborghinis, whatever. I mean, they're driving these supercars. I mean, they're, they're, they're dressed out to the nines because now all of a sudden 
it's expected of them. And so they, you know, they're, they're buying all the latest tech and, you know, they're, they're, they're gambling on the flights to and from cities. And, you know, it, I think the culture has definitely changed. And I don't think it's changed for the better in the NBA. Um, I, I, a lot of the players that are playing now, I mean, they just, they need to be humbled. Yeah. Well, we got one more that just uh, hit the newsstand. I way to speak. Okay. Uh, Army lieutenant set new shooting record, wins Olympic gold for Team USA. Hey, look at that! She, uh, it was first lieutenant Amber English, uh, thirty-one, uh, logistics officer in the Army Reserve. She hit fifty-six, only missing four, and the Ahsoka shooting range. Yeah, look at that. Imagine that, an Army officer, you know, a, a soldier. <laughs> yeah, I, okay, I get it. She's as pogue as pogue can get. She's a she's a um, logistics officer. Fine, whatever. I'm not going to disparage her. She's out there representing the country. She she puts on the uniform. She, she, she represents her country in and out of uniform. I will guarantee you that she's not going to be one of these, these tools that sits there and turns her back to the, to, to the national anthem. Um, and she's out there setting records. So, hey, good for her. You know, and I'm not saying that I'm going to completely ignore the Olympics by any stretch of the imagination, but I think for the most part, I just, with the exception of, I think maybe with the exception of the baseball tournament and maybe the softball tournament for the women, I'm just not that interested in the Olympics this year. I mean, it, well, there's 16 uh, military people actually competing in the Olympics. Yeah. And at least she's a first lieutenant and not a butter bar. <laughs> right. At least she found the place. Yeah, I mean, she's been promoted once, and so she had to at least impress her peers at least once and, you know, doing it the right way, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but that that's about it for this episode. Yeah. Um, Thank you for watching. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and uh, we'll catch yeah. you on the flip So let's see if we can do this here. Uh, smash the subscribe button over here. Hit the bell, notifications over here. Give us a like on that corner. Leave comments down below. And if you're on any of our streaming pro uh, platforms, i.e. Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I think Apple's the only one that you can review. Yeah, but they can at least still give us a follow. But uh, yeah. if you're on Apple Podcasts listening to us, definitely give us a review. We don't accept anything less than a five-star review. You can sit there and talk shit about us all day long. Just make sure you leave five stars. I mean, good God. Yeah. Um, uh, Instagram, Facebook. Twitter. Twitter. Thank you very much for the Twitter. Um, yeah, you but, can handle that because I get bored really easily with stuff. Oh, dude, I, I'm still going through and trying to clean up that Twitter feed for <laughs> our for for our page. I'm just sitting there going, "Oh my god!" You know, it's like, okay, I, I want us to stay relevant. Now, once we get a bigger following and we can actually hand a social media accounts like Twitter off to somebody that we hire specifically for that purpose. If they wanna, if they if they wanna do the whole bikini-clad women thing to try to get numbers for us, fine, do that. Just don't post porn. I mean, good God. I don't post porn. I didn't say you did, but thank you for outing yourself. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm David Dickerman, and I'm Johnny Skelton. Stay classy, San Diego. And we'll catch you guys next week. Thank you.